Thank you for coming in. You have reached the offices of the Oscar Doctor. That's me, Dr. Robert Eng, here at your service. Please take a seat in the waiting room. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, so this is the podcast where I'm going to be talking about what I believe have the best chances to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards. I know it's only December, so we're still months away. We don't even have nominations yet. But I have been talking about which films I believe from 2017 has <clears throat> a very good chance at being nominated and also have a good chance of winning. But there's been some new research that I've just discovered that really might indicate and give us a better idea which films are going to win this year's Best Picture race. And I'm going to be focusing in today on the Rotten Tomatoes scores for Best Picture winners. Now, for those who are not familiar with this, let me give you some background information. Rotten Tomatoes is a website that compiles critics, like hundreds of critics' reviews, and they observe them and analyze the reviews basically to say whether or not the critic gave a favorable or an unfavorable review for a specific movie. Now, that this does not show the weight of a critic's review on whether or not they loved the film or hated the film. It's not like, it doesn't observe a critic giving it a movie four out of four stars or a movie giving it three out of four stars. Whatever is favorable, like I said, if they like it, it'll count as a positive rating for Rotten Tomatoes. If they give it a thumbs up or thumbs down, it does not take into consideration a degree of if they liked it or disliked it. So that's why it can be confusing and misinterpreted many times when movies will advertise, this movie is 95% you know, rated on Rotten Tomatoes. So that doesn't mean that everyone loved the film. That could literally mean that 95% of the critics that are observed from or by the Rotten Tomatoes site you know, generally liked the film, but maybe no one loved it. So it is deceiving when you see a really, really high number like that. So what I like to do on Rotten Tomatoes is I have a, a handful of critics that I love to read, and if a, if a film gets a high score, you know, I'll go to their specific review and I'll still read it. I'll see if they're actually just giving it a two and a half out of four, saying that, yeah, you know, it's a messy movie, but we still like certain elements, so we're gonna give it a favorable rating or whether or not they really loved it, and that in itself is different. It's a lot different to get a four out of four or a two and a half out of four, but both will certainly be counted in as a favorable score, a thumbs up, as uh, Roger Ebert always put it. Another thing that I wanna give some background information to is how the best pictures of the Academy Awards, how they're voted upon now, and since 2009, they have changed it to a preferential voting ballot system where it's not, it used to be five Best Picture nominations and everyone in Academy gets one vote, who they want to win Best Picture. They tally up the votes, whoever has the most votes win. Very, very simple. They changed it because there's more nominations now and they wanted to try to, they wanted to, 
reward the film that was most liked among all of the Academy members. So that makes sense. But this, but this preferential, preferential voting system is a little bit confusing. Um, I'm going to try my best to explain it really briefly as I can. So say there are 10 Best Picture nominations for a singular year. All those, every single person in the Academy that wants to vote for Best Picture will, and they will rank their films, one through 10. Number one will be, you know, the film that they loved the most or the film that they felt was the best film of the year. Then they'll go on to number two, which was the second best film of the year, in their opinions, of course. And it goes all the way down to the last movie, the number 10, which is the film out of the 10 nominations they feel is the weakest. Of course, they don't have to fill it out all the way through 10. They could just fill out two films if they wanted to. They could just fill out six films if they wanted to. But whatever the case, they're ranking it from top as the best to the bottom as the worst. Now, to win best picture, you're going to need a movie that takes more than 50% of the total votes. So the way it starts out is that out of all the 10 best picture nominations, there's piles that are being stacked upon now that every single pile represents where everyone who voted, where their number one votes go to. So movie A had this many number one votes. Movie B had this many number one votes. And you make piles of every single member's number one votes. And now you have 10 stacks, okay? 10 stacks of ballots from the Academy Awards members. And then you see which stack is the shortest, which stack got the least amount of number one votes from their ballot. And whatever film that is, that film is now eliminated, gone from the running, and we throw it back in the pile. But now they get distributed onto the piles based on those number two votes. So whatever was the least amount of number one votes, those ballots, now we look at the number two votes on all of those ballots, and then we dis they redistribute those ballots onto the piles that existed initially. This process keeps on going on. Then you take the, the, the next uh, movie pile with the least amount of votes and then you redistribute those as to those number two. But if their number two movie is also eliminated, then it goes to the number three and so forth. You, you get the picture. Basically what the preferential voting process does is that it rewards a movie that is the most liked not loved, but the most liked between the Academy. And that's important because it's kind of similar to how Rotten Tomatoes is set up. You know, maybe the, maybe the movie that has the best Rotten Tomato score at the end of the year isn't the best movie, but it's the one that is the most liked among critics because we're not weighing it here. So best picture winners, maybe they go to a movie that is the most liked, because even though a movie might maybe not receive a lot of number one votes, but if it has almost everyone's number two and number three votes, it's going to almost certainly be redistributed a couple of times, and then it's going to overtake a film that maybe is polarizing and has the most number one votes, but also the most number 10 votes. I apologize if I lost you here, but this is just a way that this is the best way that I can, you know, explain this process. 
And this is important because now I'm going to go into how Rotten Tomatoes scores for Best Picture winners. It might indicate what's going to happen this year. So since 2009, I did my math, I did my calculations, and since 2009, the average Rotten Tomatoes score for the movies that won Best Picture, that average number is 96%. That's an extremely, extremely high number for Best Picture winners. And that's that makes sense, though, because you, you want movies that win Best Picture to be generally loved by most critics or liked by most critics you don't want a movie that has like a 50 percent rotten tomato score to win best picture that, that that's not going to happen but at the same time that is like that is an extremely high score and based on those eight films since 2009 only two have been underneath the average um <clears throat> specifically birdman that only got a 91 percent rating which is the lowest of the past eight years and king's speech had a 95 percent so it's still right there um, so I'm going to go explain right now how maybe this is going to impact this year's race. Because looking at the movies this year, there are some Rotten Tomato scores that will indicate that certain movies might not have a good chance at winning this year's Best Picture. Um, right now in 2017, we have, and I would say these are the three favorites to be nominated and win Best Picture right now. Because based on the fact that I pointed out last Oscar Doctor episode, there has been no film to win Best Picture that was not nominated for a SAG Ensemble Award since Braveheart. That's 22 years ago. 1995, I believe, or 96. So that is a, a big, big fact. And that is one that has not been cracked for 22 years. And that's a long time in Oscar history. So if that fact is going to remain true, these are the three leading movies going into award season for Best Picture. We have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. We have Lady Bird. And we have Get Out, the Jordan Peele horror comedy movie. Those are, in my opinion, the three leading films based on that statistic that these are the only three films. There's, there's two more films that got nominated for the SAG Ensemble, but those two films don't really have the caliber, the momentum going forward. It's, it's Mudbound and it's The Big Sick. Those are two great films, in my opinion, but they haven't received the attention throughout award circuit that I'm going to really be able to look at it seriously to say these pictures have a really good chance at winning the big award on Academy at Night. So, three billboards, Lady Bird, Get Out. Those are the three films I'm gonna be concentrating on. And I have to say that three billboards is at a 93% right now in Rotten Tomatoes. That is underneath the average since prefer preferential voting started in 2009. And I believe that could really hurt it because three, even though three billboards has a lot of aspects that make it for a great Academy Award Best Picture winner, it's polarizing enough that that it's not, I believe it's going to receive a lot of number one votes, but it's also going to receive a lot of eight, nine, ten votes. And so those are not going to help its cause a lot when those ballots be redistributed to different stacks. Now, the other two movies, Lady Bird and Get Out, 99% for both of those films. Very, very well liked. 
I think either of those two films have a very, very good chance at winning Best Picture this year. And I'm not even sure which one has a better chance. Lady Bird has been a smaller film, female director-writer Greta Gerwig, um, you know, a young main protagonist of the film by Saoirse Ronan. They're all going to receive nominations, but does that really have what it takes to win Best Picture? Or is it going to be Get Out? And Get Get Out, if Get Out wins Best Picture, that will blow my mind, but it would make so much sense. Because of this SAG nomination, because of the state of the race and the state of our society right now, Get Out is very political, very satirical, very, very, it, 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 it really tackles a lot of issues that are occurring today in a way that is done very cinematically. And so... If Get Out wins, I would applaud that win, and I would be so happy. But at the same time, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the Academy are if they're ready to reward a, a horror film or even a comedy. This is a horror comedy. Those are two genres that don't really match up with Academy Award winners. But its Rotten Tomato score at 99% hints that it really does have the chance to do so. So. Does this re are, is there any weight to what I'm saying? Is there any evidence that Rotten Tomato scores indicate Best Picture winners? I'm just going to go right to last year, which was arguably the greatest Oscar upset in, in, in Oscar history, where Moonlight beat La La Land for Best Picture. La La Land, as we know, was a huge, huge frontrunner. A great, great, great... Everyone was betting on La La Land to win because it won the most Golden Globe Awards for any film in Golden Globe's history. It received the most Oscar nominations in Oscar history. And it was beloved. It's a musical. It's, it's, it, it's old school. It's about films. Also, something that you might not know, the Academy, they love to reward films that are about filmmaking or about any type of art making look at you know the artist that won that year and look at you know birdman there's a lot of love for films about films look at argo that won films about films so la la land was very much like that but moonlight came out of nowhere and won best picture well looking at the rotten tomato scores it should have been it should have been obvious moonlight had a 98% Rotten Tomato score versus La La Land's 92%. So Moonlight had a 6% difference there and was above the average for winning since the preferential voting was in place in 2009. I mean, do I have to say more? Yes. Let's go in the year before that. We had a three-movie race, and that's rare. Usually, it's usually one against two. So right now, in this year, I feel like it's going to be Lady Bird versus Get Out. So... In 2015 movies year, we had Spotlight versus The Revenant versus The Big Short. Those three movies were winning. They were splitting all sorts of awards. One movie would win the, B the PGA. One movie would win the SAG. One movie would win the DGA. And those are usually prime precursors to, to help us predict who's going to win Best Picture. Well, in traditional Oscar knowledge and history, usually whatever film wins best director and best lead actor would have a great chance at winning best picture and that was the revenant that year Inyaritu won for best director leo dicaprio won for best lead actor so it was almost like a slam dunk that the revenant was going to win for best picture 
but it didn't. Spotlight won that year. And I would even say Spotlight was the number three choice because the big short was receiving so much attention that I was like, all right, I, I would not be surprised if the big short won as well. But I really felt that the revenue, and that was my prediction that year. The revenue was my prediction because I felt like it had the best chance of winning best picture that year. But the revenue lost to Spotlight. The big short lost to Spotlight. And let's look at the Rotten Tomato score. Spotlight had 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Revenant, the Revenant only had an 80% score and the Big Shirt only had an 88% score. But no one was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score that year to try to indicate who's going to win Best Picture. But now I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. We should have known that Spotlight was beloved by critics more than the Revenant and the Big Shirt. And just to be clear, the critics do not vote on the Oscars, the critics, that those, the Oscars and the Academy members are based on individuals who work in the industry. So even though Spotlight was beloved by critics more than Revenant and Big Short, they didn't vote on the Oscars. But that being said, their, their tastes generally are in sync between critics and filmmakers and everyone that's involved in it. So it's not surprising to me now, looking at it, that Spotlight one best picture because it had a significantly better score on Rotten Tomatoes than The Revenant and The Big Short. Let's go back to let's go back to the first year of preferential voting, 2009, when it was one of the biggest movies in history, box office wise, everything wise. This was James Cameron's Avatar. This movie was making billions of dollars. It was it was a cinematic experience. You had to go see Avatar in the theater. It did 3D right. It was an amazing epic tale. And everyone saw that movie. And it was nominated for nine Oscars that year, which was tied for the most of that year. And it was up against a very, very small film called The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker was a war film. It had a very, very small cast, very small budget, and it made... A fraction of the cause. It made a fraction of the amount that Avatar made domestically and worldwide. I believe The Hurt Locker is one of, if not the lowest gross, grossing Oscar Best Picture winners of all time. I think The Hurt Locker only made, what, 15, 20 million dollars compared to Avatar's, I don't know, 600, 700, 800, a billion dollars that it made domestically. So that was basically like David versus the Goliath that year. But we should have known. We should have just looked at the Rotten Tomato score. The Hurt Locker had a 97% Rotten Tomato score versus Avatar's 83%. That being said, like that was a 14% difference there. And the Hurt Locker ended up overcoming all of this adversity and all these obstacles. Catherine Bigelow was the first female director to win, you know, Best Director. And her movie, The Hurt Locker, like, when was there a movie directed by a female that won Best Picture last? Like, who knows? The Hurt Locker won that year, and it should have been obvious if we looked at the Rotten Tomato score. Now, that being said, it's not all, isn't, this isn't foolproof, okay? We had The King's Speech beating out The Social Network, even though the King's Speech at 95% was a little bit under the Social Network's Rotten Tomato score of 96%. But they were close enough. 
there wasn't a huge disparity. So that doesn't really come into play. But what does come into play, if you think about how polarizing the social network was, even though critics loved it throughout the industry of Hollywood, the social network was a very polarizing film. You either you either loved it or you hated it. While The King's Speech was a very safe film, where generally it's very it's very hard to dislike The King's Speech. So even though it maybe it didn't receive as many number one votes as The Social Network did that year, it probably and very likely because it won received a lot more number twos and number three votes than The Social Network did. So that just comes into play when you think about who's going to win Best Picture this year. Now I'm going to wrap this up by saying three billboards at 93% Rotten Tomatoes score. That's very good, but number one, it's underneath the average that I have calculated for Best Picture winners since preferential voting. And number two, it is a polarizing film. It feels like a social network type of film. While there's a lot of critics and a lot of people talking about it that love this film, absolutely love it. And it's obviously beloved because it had it got so many nominations at the Golden Globes. It received a nomination and lots of nominations at the SAGs, including the big, you know, best ensemble cast for a motion picture. So it is definitely loved among critics and Hollywood alike. But it is very polarizing. And maybe Three Billboards is the film right now that everyone sees as the front runner, which is going to be bad. It's going to be it was bad for La La Land. It was bad for the Revenant. It was bad maybe for Avatar. Maybe everyone thought Avatar was going to win that year, so they started pushing it really, really back on their ranking lists. So three billboards might have a huge uphill battle to win Best Picture. From what I'm looking at, based on the Rotten Tomato score, it really doesn't have a chance to win Best Picture. The two movies that really look like they have a big chance to win Best Picture are Lady Bird and Get Out. They both have 99%, which is 6% difference compared to three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. The 6% difference is the exact same number as Moonlight had over La La Land. So I'm going to say 6% is a good enough number, a good enough difference for Lady Bird and Get Out to be considered the front runners in my eyes, at least right now. Now, which film is more beloved or more liked? I don't know, I can't tell you. They both are receiving a very good amount of attention and they're receiving different types of attention. Get Out is the movie that is still resonating. This movie came out early this year, but it's still on everyone's mind and it's still receiving so much recognition. While Lady Bird is fresher in our minds because it came out this past month, but it is a masterpiece. So, do any other films really have a chance? In my opinion right now, no, but just looking at some other powerful films, this year, we have Call Me By Your Name with 96% Rotten Tomato score, which is right at that average. So maybe that movie has a good chance at winning, even though it wasn't nominated for the SAG Ensemble. Does Dunkirk have a chance? That was a big movie coming from the summer. Christopher Nolan's you know, World War II masterpiece. But it only has a 92% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is well below the average of Best Picture winners. And it wasn't nominated for the SAG Ensemble. The Shape of Water is Guillermo del Toro's monster romance story. It's at 94%. So yes, it is, it is slightly under the average. But like I said, there's only two films in the past eight years that had a score under the average. So it does have an uphill battle to go. 
And then there's The Post, that is the Spielberg, Tom Hanks, and Meryl Streep film that everyone's talking about, but hasn't been re released yet. Even though only, even though less than 100 critics have seen it, it only has a score in the 80s right now. So that is well below the average for Best Picture winners. It wasn't nominated for the SAG Ensemble, which was surprising to many. So these are possibly huge indicators that the post is just, you know, marquee names, but really isn't that great of a film. So we'll have to see how that goes. But once it's released, I believe there's going to be a lot more critical reviews. And maybe it'll boost the post back up to, you know, mid-90s if everyone loves it. I don't know. But, you know, I'm just going to state right now that uh, as of predictions go, it seems like Lady Bird and Get Out, those two films have all of the symptoms going right now to be diagnosed as this year's Best Picture winner. Well, thanks for listening. This has been The Oscar Doctor with me, Dr. Robert Eng. Please tune in next time where we talk about more reasons why I'm going crazy. I have the fever for Oscar's Best Pictures. Let's go.